Today's episode is presented by Yelp. Yelp's mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They also offer great solutions for restaurants looking to streamline their front of house and increase sales. Millions of diners are already using Yelp, and these products are a great way to capitalize on that network. Head over to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp to claim your free page and learn more about these powerful tools for your business. Now here we go. I've always looked at food through other chefs' eyes. So I'm always learning through other chefs. How do they plate the food? What does it look like? How, how does it feel? What's the ambiance? What does it taste like? Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. Are you ready to level up? The Pineapple Post has launched, and I'd like for you to be a part of it. It's a newsletter for people like you, people who want to learn and improve. It's delivered every Sunday, and it's packed with stories, videos, and audio content from the brightest minds in our industry. We're covering the latest news, innovations, and trends to inform and inspire the way you do business. When you're serious about your work and you're ready to take it to the next level, the Pineapple Post is here to help. You can sign up at pineapplepost.news. I hope you check it out. Stalking is illegal. But I don't know how else I would describe the process I used to book chef JJ Johnson for the show. Why? Because he has something important to say. JJ sees food as a common language and he uses it to educate the masses about who we are and where we come from. Today we delve into his culinary education and the path that led him to where he is today. But first, we discuss the mathematical formula he lives by. Passion plus drive equals success. As I first started off in the industry, you know, in my first chef role, um, I believe that, you know, having passion and drive will equal you success. You can't have one without the other. Uh, and if you're doing something that you love to do, then uh, the passion will bleed into the drive or the drive will, drive will bleed into the passion and hopefully equal success. And I believe that's how I'm successful. When you decided that you wanted to cook for a living, what was the vision that you had for your own future? I'm not sure if I really knew a vision. I just knew that I would just connect with people, uh, give them a really great experience, uh, and, they, and they would just get to know who I was. You know, the beginning of my cooking career, I was just trying to hone a skill. I'm lucky enough that I get to cook food uh, that I truly believe in. Where, where most chefs are, are not able to do that, they're just really honing the skill and perfecting something. I'm creating a style of food, a style of cooking, um, and, and invoking uh, some type of feeling. How was your vision influenced by that trip you took to Ghana? What year was that? Uh, I took that trip in 2011. Uh, once I came home from that trip uh, in Ghana, that's when I knew I, went, I knew what I was going to cook in my life, or I had a purpose now. Uh, before that, I don't really think I had a purpose in cooking. I didn't really know what I was going to do. But as I, 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 after that trip, I truly had a purpose, and um, I started hitting the ground running. Now, would you say that that was like the beginning of your culinary education when you dug deep into the roots of the food that you wanted to cook? I think I'm always a student, um, but I would say that was the beginning of my culinary education of, a, of, a, of becoming a chef. Before that, I was just a cook. Um, 
but really becoming a chef or a master to the craft. Uh, that, that, that's when that happened. But I'm always a student. I think always being a student, I mean, you have to turn it on and off. Like, when are you a student and when are you the teacher? Um, right. I, I think those are important things. What tools and resources did you use to learn? Uh, I mean, I've always looked at food through other chefs' eyes. So I'm always learning through other chefs. How do they plate the food? What does it look like? How, how does it feel? What's the ambiance? What does it taste like? Um, you know, spending time with people's grandmas. Uh, there's nothing like their food. You know, being able to go to culinary school, I think every part has played a different role. Uh, mentorship. I think all those things are, are, are key. Let's talk about culinary school for a minute. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you follow Naisha Arrington uh, on Instagram. She posted something. I don't know, man. It had to be like a month ago. And it was a photo of her from culinary school. And it was her position in the middle of just a sea of white men. And she said that, you know, this was this was my experience going to culinary school. And, and she talked about like the the importance of diversity and inclusion in the industry. And I was wondering, what was your experience like in culinary school and how was it informed by race? You know, I grew up in rural Pennsylvania, you know, um, race was always something of, uh, of acknowledging, you know, or things that I've been through, which is really sad to say. Uh, but I think overall, you know, you, you as a, as a black person that's able to do things in those spaces, you kind of figure out how to maneuver in the time, especially I'm sure that when, when Naisha, as I know personally, you know, she probably was just whatever is how it is, is how it always would be kind of attitude. Same thing like with me, like, ah, this is what it's like. I think the sad part of it all is that the culinary world is a Euro from the way it's perceived and written about is very Eurocentric. Um, it's never written about through multiple lenses of the of people and food. There's no way that food is Eurocentric or at the high level. It's impossible. We eat rice and beans that we love. We get tamales. We eat lechon. We, we, we love fried rice, right? There's all these different styles of food that are at the high level or can be recognized at a high level. But for some reason, everything is Eurocentric. And that's just what culinary school is. It's, it's Eurocentric. It's through that one lens. Um, and that's why her picture looked like that or my picture look, would look this very similar. I think my picture would look a little bit different. I would have probably two other black kids, a, a Hmong guy, and then everybody else would be white. Uh, but, but, you know, Culinary Institute of America, there's no, there, there was one black teacher in the whole, the whole campus. You know, that's sad. There's a lot of people that could be educating people. So I think we have to go a little bit deeper when we're looking for culture, we're looking for people to teach, we're looking for another opinion or teaching history. There just has to be more than just one way. And that's really important for me. I mean, I look back nine years, nobody was cooking Afro-Asian food or the food of the African diaspora. Now, nine years moving forward, you can find pockets of that at the high level at, on a fine dining restaurant or casual restaurant. That food was always around, but nobody was talking about it like that because they just didn't understand it. 100%. Talk to me about the last job you had before going independent. Last job I had before going independent, I was uh, the chef at the Cecil in Minton's. Um, I worked really freaking hard uh, and I got tired of working so hard for somebody else. 
and I always had an entrepreneur spirit and it was just time to spread my wings. Um, I did what I was supposed to do there. We did, we had an amazing run uh, and it was time to go out and see how I can make it or fail. Um, and I would say right now, I call it one for two. Uh, Field Trip is doing very well uh, in, in the fast casual space. And when I say well, I don't mean like all financially well, but I mean like just well, people understand that it's not just another fast casual. And I think it has some really major legs. And the, the miss was I was just in a bad partnership at the Henry. Um, but you learn from that. You make yourself guarded and protected. Uh, and maybe I just wouldn't have been what I am right now if I didn't, if that partnership wasn't as bad as it was. And, 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 and those things are just what it is. Were there more lessons outside of a bad partnership that you took from the Henry? I mean, what I've learned in my own life, two things. One is that I learned a lot more from the failures than I do the successes. Mm-hmm. And the other is, is that the greatest gift that I can impart to someone else are the lessons learned from my failures. That way they get to make new mistakes, right? Not the mistakes that I've made. And so are, are there any mistakes that you made through that process? Um, that someone else could I think use when you're young, you're eager, right? I mean, you know this, right? You get, you're so eager. Like, yo, we got to do it. We got to do it, man. Fuck it. Who cares? Like, we will make it work. And then when you get in it, you're like, what did I just do to myself? Because you're just so <laughs> eager to have it. And I think, especially for, for, for young black men that don't get opportunities, they're just so eager to be like, I, I, I got it. I want it. And I'll figure it out. And I would say that was my biggest lesson of that. Like, if I would have took a step back, I would have just cooked in the Hamptons that summer. You know what I mean? I would have been cooking mm-hmm. in the Hamptons. I'd had a great time. I would have been working on field trip. I would have made money. But instead, I was like, oh, man, this hotel deal, this big group that says they're doing the right things. And then you get in it and you're like, hold on. I'm just supposed to be the chef face. You're supposed to operate it. Why am I operating it? What's going on here? Why aren't you paying me on time? Like all these crazy things that are going on. Um, and then th- that made me realize, like, okay, this is what my organization looks like. This is who I want to work with. I, this is what I want to do. And listen, the, the, there's some good things that came out of that, a lot of bad that came out of it. But I think that's why I'm so guarded now as I proceed and I exhaust every situation. Uh, why are we doing this? What, what can we gain from it? What will we do? And we're not going to do this if this doesn't occur. Let's talk about that. So you opened Field Trip in Harlem, small location in the middle of a densely populated, a densely populated residential area. Why did you choose Harlem? Yeah, man. You know, I believe if you can make it in Harlem, you can make it anywhere in the world. You know, Black excellence has come out of Harlem. Or when people watch movies about Black people, you see Harlem. I remember being in Ghana and people being like, yo, man, you're from Harlem. Do you remember, you know, this scene from this movie? You know, that's what you get it from Harlem. But also, you know, I look, I look at the music industry and I look at Jay and I look at Diddy like at Nas, Pac, you know, all these big artists that have massive following. Why do they have that? Is because there's a community behind them. So regardless if they move somewhere else or do something different, that community will always support them. They'll always come out. They'll, be, you know, they'll always do those things. So that's why it was important to be part of a community that can uplift you. And that's why I chose Harlem. And for the folks that don't know, can you talk to me about the concept behind Field Trip? So field trip is a rice bowl shop. Uh, it invokes travel. You're truly on a field trip when you come to order a bowl. Uh, the field is for the uh, for the rice fields trips or for the trips I've taken around the world. Uh, everything is below 13 bucks. 
Uh, and if you're trying to figure out what I mean by that, think of Chipotle with global flavors and some deliciousness. Uh, we consider ourselves a community-based restaurant. How do you tell the story of, of the concept through the cuisine, through the aesthetic, through the branding? So, you know, every bowl is dictated by what rice is in the bowl. So whatever rice that is, that's where you are. So if it's sticky rice, you're in Southeast Asia. If it's Texas brown rice, it's Tex-Mex. If it's Carolina gold rice, you're in the American South. That's what, in, that's what the flavors are based in the bowl and the rice tells that. The feeling of the place is where are we? So when you come into Field Trip in Harlem, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's exposed brick walls that are from before I even know that in that building. When you come to Rockefeller Center, it should invoke what New York looks like. So you might get some of that Harlem brick, might get some of that like uh, Statue of Liberty blue. You know, it should invoke New York. When you come to Long Island City, we're in a small food hall. You're getting that very like rustic, uh, you know, industrial feeling of a very upscale food hall that they put together here. So those are the things in uh, how we look, how I look at it. You know, I want to invoke where we are in that field trip and make sure that we're being uh, paying um, homage to the area that we're in. I followed your career for, I mean, ever since we met years ago, um, been super inspired by it. And I read this article and I'm going to mess the whole thing up. I couldn't find the article that I read. Um, so I'm hoping that, that you can help me with the story. But basically the story was, is that you opened up the original location and it was slow and you were doing like world-class work and it was slow and right at like the tail end, you're about to run out of money and somebody reviews you and then it's lines out the door. Is that, and am I telling the story right? Well, no, you know, uh, you know, I would say that we were, I, I want to call it slow, but it wasn't as busy as we wanted it to be. Um, you know, you have, you have this wave of effect. And Harlem is, you know, you got to earn their trust. You know, we, we got a review from the Times. We got a Time Out Magazine review. We got these really great reviews that started to drive people to the business. But I would really, for me, you know, during COVID was that time. of like, okay, this is how much money I have left in the bank. If I close the doors, I won't be able to open. If I use all this money, I'm going to run out. But COVID helped the Harlem community understand who we were. We just wasn't, we weren't another fast casual anymore. We were this place that had their back. That really is what pushed us through to make people come on a consistent base. And, and, I, and I'm not talking like New Harlem, New Harlem nights. I'm talking about real, I'm talking about my aunties and my grandmas and cousins that are there and been there their whole life. They come and eat that field trip. They're the ones that have been keeping it going. How many locations do you have right now? Right now we have three locations, Harlem, Long Island City, and the U.S. Open. And then the fourth one will open in December, Rockefeller Center. Man, you're opening a restaurant in the middle of a global pandemic. Are you Are you? I mean, we're nervous? rolling our dice. Every, oh, hell yeah, I'm nervous. I'm nervous regardless. But listen, <laughs> if you're going to do it now, you might as well try it. I think I, that, that's the best advice I can give to anybody. You know, if, you, if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to be easy anytime. And right now, we just have to weather the storm, hope a vaccine comes or people get wear a mask. I mean, I don't really know, but I think you got to push through, figure it out and something will work for you uh, if you truly believe in it. Um, and I'm just rolling my dice. My wife thinks I'm crazy. My dad cheers me on. I was talking to my uncle the other day. He was like, yo, you're 
you're crazy, man. Like, whatever, screw it, you know? But I think that's what it's about. And if I'm going to bet on anybody right now, I'm going to bet on myself and my team. What's your work days looking like? You working 80 to 100 hour weeks? Are you able to scale it back? I'm not able to. I'm not able to do that. I have two children at home, uh, twins. They keep me busy. So I have to relieve my nanny at a certain time. I think that's my way of my wife making sure I don't work too much. And um, I want to be there with them in the morning, at least eating a little bit of breakfast. But yeah, I put in, you know, I put in the time that needs to get put in. um, And and I look at it like a normal day in the office. You know, my my buddies that are financial guys and girls, they're working a lot. I think everybody just works a lot. It's just, just, are you able to take care of yourself? And I think that's something big for me, especially in our restaurant group, that we'll make sure our teams are at least getting one week vacation. You can earn up to four weeks. We want people to be able to take care of themselves so that they can spend time with their families and their friends and their loved ones or just, you know, go out and have a good time. That's what it's about in the right you way. Know, one of, it's so inspiring to hear you say it because I think one of the big foundational struggles in the industry is that everybody's working in their business and not on their business. And Yeah, I mean, you have to figure right? out when you're working in or on. Uh, for the past two months, I've been working on the business. During the pandemic, I was working in the business. I made me realize the business a little bit more. I was listening to Mark Cuban on his podcast talking about a lot of owners were back in their business, not on their business. Uh, Long Island City location, since it's a newer location, I'm in the business and on the business, like both sides. Um, but you have to figure out how to work on your business if you're a business owner and not just in it. Because if you're just in it all the time, you're just an employee. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And outside of your businesses, you're also working to support the community. You're working with the Food Bank of New York City. And you serve on the James Beard Impact Programs Advisory Committee. Can you talk to me about what you're working on and what you're working on with them? Yeah. So, you know, um, I would say right now, uh, probably working with a bunch of nonprofits, Rethink New York, uh, Harlem Grown, New York City Food Bank, starting our own relief fund called the Rice Relief Fund. I think there's a lot, a lot of things going on. But, you know, for me, it's all about how can we, how can we put a dent in the end of hunger or making sure people can always get a good meal. That's important to me. Um, I'll, I'll never stop doing that. And the more field trips I open, hopefully the more people we can feed. Um, how has mentorship played a role in your life? A mentorship's been, it's been a great role in my life. You know, I've been very fortunate to have my dad as a mentor uh, through, through a lot of like the, you know, the, the ups and downs of a career. I think that's really important. Um, you know, there's been other people that have been a mentor. I'm always looking for a mentor. I'm looking for a mentor now. I'm trying to get on. I'm trying to have Steve Ellis from Chipotle mentor me. That's my goal. Uh, I think mentorship is great because those people can help you not make the same mistakes they made or give you a, a, a what's the word a perspective a perspective about what they did, why they did it, and maybe you can use it or not. Have you had any aha moments through the pandemic? Do you feel like you were set on one yeah. course in February and all of that changed? Can biggest you, you aha talk about moment that? was biggest aha moment was like you you can't let the market that you're in dictate who you are. And we never had phones in field trip. We never put an open sign up. We were always trying to be something we weren't. Right? We were always trying to be a sweet green, a dig in these these concepts that are not they're great concepts. But we should be looking at, I'm looking at now, I look at Wingshop, Papa John's, Domino's, right? That's the, that's who we are. That's the demo we're trying to touch. And we're going to, we're going to try to shake that market up. That's incredible. 
It's an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have any advice or words of encouragement you'd like to share? Yeah, if you're a chef out there and you're trying to figure out, um, you know, I want to be on television or I want to do this or I want to do that or that should be me. Uh, don't don't say that should be you. Like, I want to be better than that person. But when step one is you, you got to, the food has to be delicious. The food isn't delicious. doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you do, right? If the food doesn't taste good, people will not believe in you. And the next thing is, you know, build a really good team around you, get with people that are smarter than you in their respective areas. It's people that have your back. Um, and don't worry, you will make it out here. You will find your way. And you can hit me up anytime, guys, on any social media channels at Chef JJ, and I'll hit you back uh, to help you out in any way I can. That's James Beard award-winning chef JJ Johnson. To take JJ up on his offer to connect, reach out to him on all social media platforms using the handle Chef JJ. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.